0: This, 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 this away. Let's be honest. Talking about our faith, it can get hard sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in the world. But now, the world will have to get caught up in us. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about our real faith. We're here to talk about the real God. For unapologetic apologetics everywhere, welcome, welcome to, Tactical, to Tactical, Tactical Faith Radio. Radio.
1: Welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. Now that it's the holiday season, what a time for us to get together as family. But it's also a stressful time for many as uh, loneliness and anxiety, and even the stresses of families uh, when they get together. It's really a time for us to think as Christians about mental health, about things like wellness about what does it mean for us as Christians when we think about our own reflective life and the life of others. How do we care for souls? Uh, Those things are very meaningful for me as I have uh, looked into the counseling world. I've taken some classes, not only in seminary, but even lately, as I want to be more informed about mental health. So today I've asked uh, Eric Venable from Daymark Counseling to come on. And talk to us about what does it mean to seek out counseling? Uh, What does it mean to think about anxiety and stress? Are those weaknesses for Christians? Or does the Bible talk about us helping and seeking out help? And in our own transparency, maybe talking with others, especially Christians in a safe environment, will help us achieve what Christianity would call wellness. Uh, which is being in a community with other believers in like minded faith as we point and look at Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Matt. Super
0: happy to be here, man. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Sure. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about how you got to where you are. I know that you're ordained as well. So give me a little bit of background. Yeah, sure
0: thing. So I'm from North Alabama, originally Huntsville, Gunnersville area. Went to Gunnersville High School, then Sanford. And then after Sanford, I went to Beeson uh, Divinity School. I'm trying to think, when when were you there? Do we overlap, I think, maybe a little bit?
1: I'm not going to give my age. I'm not so, going to give it away. I, it's two th- I was there from 2003 to 2007.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we would yeah, have been there at the same time. Yeah, so I graduated uh, 2004 from Sanford, then I graduated 2007 from Beeson. So, yeah, we would have been there. Back in the day. So then after that, I did, uh, I was a pastor at Riverwood Presbyterian Church in Tuscaloosa for a little while. It's a PCA church. did, did kind of youth and family ministry for a number of years. And then I went to Western Colorado for a brief amount of time, just under a year uh, to do a solo pastor gig. Then I came back to Birmingham and I've been doing Daymark now for about five, five and a half years, something like that. Uh, the director, Gordon Bowles, he's a great guy. He and I go way back. He did my wedding and my premarital counseling a long time ago now. So I've had a connection to Daymark for a number of years and feel super blessed to be able to do what I do. I love my job. I love being able to walk alongside people and speak truth and love to people in a variety of circumstances. A lot of times those circumstances involve significant struggles and suffering um, and sin and a variety of other things. Um,
1: So you're ordained, but you're also a counselor. What kind of counselor are you?
0: Yeah, I do Christian counseling, you know, in a variety of kind of settings. Um, I see kind of general depression, anxiety stuff, but also grief counseling, marriage counseling. Uh, One of the areas that I do a lot of work with is with men, with kind of sexual brokenness issues. That's an issue I'm really passionate about. And I think the church especially just needs a lot of help with. Um, I think it's a real epidemic in our day and age, and I think it's only going to, not, it's not going to get any easier for sure, you know, as, as the culture heads the way it's heading, I think.
1: So maybe that's something we can go a little deeper in at another time. That would that, that's definitely something I think that would be worthwhile for for us to to dive into. But specifically about Daymark, what, what is it that Daymark does to let's just say a, a pastor just doesn't do it as church?
0: Yeah, we, there's some overlap for sure, right? I mean, we're having spiritual conversations with people about who God is and how God's love meets people and the specifics of of where they are. So definitely there'd be some overlap, uh, but definitely some of my specific training, especially in the areas of addiction or marriage counseling might be more tailored to some specific you know, issues that pastors would see some of, but I kind of see it week in, week out. Yeah. Um, so that would be some of the differences, you know, between myself and say a, a, a solid counseling you would get in a church. Um, is there yeah, any difference I,
1: between what you do and what a secular counselor does?
0: There would be. Yeah. I mean, again, there's some overlap between us and other places in town that do good counseling work. Uh, but we are explicitly Christian in our missions. That's one of the things about Daymark that I think is unique that I really love is that we really seek to connect the gospel to, whatever counseling context, you know, that we're, that we're in. So we're constantly thinking about people and problems through the lens of scripture and th- really through the lens of who Jesus is and what Jesus does in the lives of his people, how Jesus comes to his people in the specific places where we find ourselves, whether that's uh, emotional struggles, a spiritual battle, uh, a mental health issue or a specific sin. It's just very discouraging. So really, kind of the gospel focus of Daymark is one of the things that I think would would make what we do kind of unique uh, in terms of the general counseling world in Birmingham.
1: Do you think things have changed? I know twenty years ago, uh, let's just go back even thirty years ago. We're in high school in the nineties. Yeah. Um, the the thought of growing up like I did in the eighties and in the early nineties and talking about my struggles as a young man. Uh, I not I'm not saying. I found this often, um, but there was—I uh, kind of grew up in a in a culture that would say things to me as, "We're well, just gonna have to take it like a man," or yeah. "You just kind of suppress um, oh, sure. yeah. anxieties and struggles." I didn't really think about counseling as something that would be helpful in my life until way on into my adult life. Um, you think that was that a cultural issue for the South? Is that a church issue? Um, is that getting better?
0: Yeah, it's a super interesting question. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, definitely it's interesting. I think about sort of the, the demographics of people who come specifically, like how old people usually are. And by and large, I do think a younger generation maybe has a little less stigma associated with counseling. Uh, I see some people, maybe they're 50 and above, but that's not super common. And I do think for a lot of people, even a lot of church people, there's a huge sense of stigma or even shame associated with going to see a counselor, right? So for a number of people, this idea that that you're going to see a counselor, the assumption is things must be really bad, you know, Mm -hmm. in your your life. Like you've exhausted all their options Mm -hmm. and counseling is like your last ditch effort to try to save the marriage or to try to get help before something really terrible happens. Um, So I'm encouraged. I do think culturally like counseling is, is more acceptable than I think it used to be. But it's interesting because I do think uh, in a lot of churches, you know, religion can very easily become something that we use to hide pain and to hide, uh, oh. try to hide from our own sin even, right? I mean, I do think Marx is on to something when he called religion an opiate for the masses. And I think that's true in a lot of contexts. Sadly enough, even in Christian circles, we use religious language to try to hide from the parts of life that hurt the most.
1: What? Yeah, um, like even theologically, I mean, uh, like you look at our Bible heroes um, from Elijah to David to even Jesus himself. They all suffered anxiety and stress at some point. Sure. Um, but that's not a weakness, you know, and even in Jesus case, he sought after the small little band of, of men Uh, Even when he's praying in the garden, it was a subset of even the greater 12 that he relied on for support. And, of course, they failed him. Um, So can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, theologically and biblically, I mean, where do you see counseling? Is it a discipleship thing?
0: Yeah, I definitely think when counseling when Christian counseling is done well, I think it's a it's a huge aspect of discipleship. And specifically like how do we think about sanctification when it comes down to the nuts and the bolts, right? Mm. Of what I think and what I say and what I feel and what I do on a day in, day out basis. Um, I mean, a lot of what I'm talking about with people are really sanctification kinds of issues in terms of where's God at work in our life? How is he calling us to change in some specific ways? Um, what are some things that God is calling us to move towards in terms of repentance, faith, trusting God in a deeper way in the midst of our suffering, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, the whole thing about uh, when you read the Bible, it's it's very obvious, right, that the people who wrote it and the characters in it are people that didn't see any conflict between suffering and faith, right? Like faith makes sense for people that want to get really real about what hurts the most, you read the Psalms, especially, and um, to me, one of the scenes in the Bible that you alluded to this, this, the most profound in all of scripture is the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. When we see Jesus basically anxious, right, uh, in his humanity, he's uh, he's sweating so much. That the Bible says it looks like he's bleeding out um, and he's crying out to his father for help, basically, mm-hmm. in the midst of the immense suffering of, of his own humanity that he faces, And that's a really important part of the Bible for a lot of reasons. But for me, one of the things I talk about with people is that it gives us a category for humanity that says you can be really honest with your suffering and cry out to God in faith. And that's actually a good thing. That's not a sign that you have failed or -hmm. that you're a bad Christian or that you don't have enough faith. That's actually a fundamental part of what it means to be a human being who relies on God.
1: Yeah. So part of, you know, a, a buddy of mine um, who is a lawyer here in Birmingham, Alabama, always talks about in order to engender trust in a person, you have to have transparency in a commitment yeah. to truth.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I would assume part of our reluctance and maybe you can tell me I'm wrong or not. Part of, our, part of our reluctance to be proactive with counseling is we don't want to be transparent. And in the Protestant world, we don't, well, especially in the world that I live in, there's not much confession going on. Like there's the activity of confession in the Orthodox and Catholic church, to me, seems like something that's a practice that would help you think reflectively about your own issues mentally, Mm -hmm. uh, but also gives you an opportunity to talk to somebody. Uh, Do you see transparency as a, as an issue for people? Like maybe most people are just not willing to be totally honest with themselves to others.
0: No, yeah, for sure, man. For sure. No, it's a huge part. It's a huge part of my job. I mean, week in, week yeah. out, I'm trying to get people to be honest with themselves and with God and with others about what is actually happening in your life. You know, so um, what are
1: you, what are you seeing as big issues in the church right now in terms of counseling that just somebody like me to be, I guess, to be educated on to when Cause now I'm, I'm, I am to the point where if I see somebody and they're close to me i'm i'm always telling them hey mental health is important you need to go find somebody to talk to um are, are there sure signs as christians with even unbelievers where if we get close to somebody we can say hey um, maybe you, I mean, you don't want to clinically say you have depression. I mean, that's a clinical thing that a physician probably needs to help and be a part of, but can you give us just equip us with something that we can see in others where we're, where it's an opportunity to to get into their life and say, Hey, you know, uh, you need to call day Mark. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is that a hard conversation to have?
0: Yeah, for sure it is. But I think what you said a second ago is so huge about, I mean, if you start with your own vulnerability, Right, people are going to start opening up to you about their own pain when they realize that it's safe for them to do that. When they realize they're not going to be shamed when they do that. When they realize that you're a person that struggles just like they they do. That you're not coming from this position of standing over them, uh, accusing them in some way or telling them they're defective because they need help. Right?
1: Sure. Um, And women are good. I mean, I'm I'm about to broad brush here. Um, It seems to me that a lot of women are really good at opening it up it's a whole different thing to talk about men's mental health sure. uh, they're, yeah. they're just two totally not different things but they come they come with their own complications uh, and me as a man and you as a man i'm i'm just constantly thinking about the world i came out of which was to push down those things as if they're weaknesses that's right uh, shame and we-
0: weakness for a lot of people for a lot of men are fused together in ways that are very destructive
1: yeah. And I have a friend of mine, a real close friend of mine, who's you know been kind of that voice in my ear over the last 20 years about guilt and how guilt and shame in the church has been used to really kind of keep people quiet. And yep. uh, even though I think guilt in a lot of ways shows, if we can reflect on our own mistakes and sin, it can be a tool to help us towards mental health. Um, but he's one of the reasons why he's You know, well, that's another issue, but one, I just think it's, it's, it's interesting that guilt and shame can be used by the, you know, can be used for a negative. Um, so I guess, again, I'm going to go back to your statement. Can you help equip me or even the others that might be listening to me? what, What, what are some things to think about, especially during the holiday season on ourselves and others that might be clear signs that we need? We just need some help.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. When you see people isolate themselves, I think that's a big deal, right? We're made for community. We're made for connection. Mm -hmm. One of the most important statements in the Bible is when God tells Adam, it's not good for man to be alone, right? That's a very profound statement. That's not just about marriage, but it's about every human being on earth and how you're just made for a relationship. So I'm a big believer that evil strategy is always to isolate you from people, right? Who care about you. And then when that happens, evil's going to jump on your head, right? And go for the jugular. It's going to hurt you bad. Wow. So any, anytime, right, we're isolating ourselves in the midst of our pain or our sin, it's a dangerous spiritual place to be. So I think uh, when you see people do that, we need to love people enough to, to go after them in a loving way to just say, Hey, it seems like you've really kind of cut yourself off. It seems like you're not really responsive when we talk. Uh, you seem really withdrawn is there something going on, right. Um, that you want to talk about and just pursuing people in that kind of way. Um, that might be one place I think I would start, um, to help people. Um, and then just be honest about your own story. Right. I mean, again, if you're honest and open about your own suffering, you're just making it so much easier for somebody else to volunteer, you know, their own struggle with their pain, um, ask for help.
1: Yeah. You're, I love being with people that make me think, and especially smart people that are, that are good at their craft. I mean, you br- bringing up the, the garden of Gethsemane is such such a perfect image. If you have the God man who's seeking out his friends for his own anxiety, I sure. mean if he's willing to be open and that transparent about the essentially struggling, not even the night before one of the, gr- the greatest event in human history, if he's willing to open up, how much more should we be open? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. To, to seeking out to seeking out help, um, and you do this nonprofit, right? I mean, Den- Daymark is a nonprofit ministry. Can you, for those who might be new to counseling, um, there's kind of a sliding scale, even for those who might think of counseling as something that can only be done by people that have a lot of money. You know, Daymark, yeah. it seems to me, has a mission to reach out to everybody. Is that correct?
0: It is. Yeah. Some of the things I really love about what we do is that we really want to help whoever God brings through the door. Um, counseling can be expensive. You know, I know from firsthand, I've been on the other side of the counseling chair and received counseling myself. And I just know that's not cheap. And there's a lot of people who really just need some specific help. So one of the things I love about Daymark is that we're really committed to helping whoever God brings through the door. And one of the ways that, um, we, we were enabled to do this is really through the generosity of people who give to our mission. So we are a nonprofit organization. We do fundraising. We raise uh, support, each counselor raise, you know, raises a certain amount of support every year to make that sliding scale possible. And you know, I even have a number of people that will pay below the lowest number, you know, on that scale because they've got particular financial hardships that make it difficult you know for them to afford the kind of help that they need. Um, so yeah, so just that aspect of just mercy towards people who are in need is one aspect of Denmark's mission that I really love. Feel really blessed to be a part of for sure.
1: And a lot of, and some people that will listen to this who would think, well, you're an apologetic ministry, Matt. What are you doing this for? I have to remember my my commitment has always been uh, to biblical wisdom, and part of that is being able to think about your faith theologically and to be equipped to talk about it would include. Um, emotional and spiritual support like who we are uh, especially when it comes to mental health, yeah. is important, and it's important on how you think theologically about yeah. yourself and about others and about the world. And if you don't have a commitment to to that in terms of a healthy wellness lifestyle, yeah. then you know you're not going to be ready to be to give hope, like First Peter three fifteen says. Um, I know by dabbling into the the counseling world a little bit, like I have, wellness. Um, wellness is a tag that's used now in the counseling world. You actually see it more and more now, the idea of wellness. Uh, can you give me at least what your thought is on the idea of a, of a well-rounded christian person cuz we 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 both assume you know theologically speaking when it comes to the issue of, of being broken by sin uh we acknowledge that but what does a healthy christian look like uh for you is, is it an issue of perfection or is it a, just an issue of trying to find an optimal you
0: yeah that's a great question yeah that's one of the definitely one of the things that i think would uh distinguish Mark, or just anybody who does counseling from a Christian perspective is that wellness is not just, you know, uh, I'm less depressed or I'm less anxious, although those are great fruits, I think, that can come as God works in us and as we grow as human beings. But we're really active for something even bigger than that, right? And I think from the world standpoint outside of a Christian faith, it's just about you being a better version of you. And that's just really right. the beginning and end of being a healthy human being. But as Christians, we just have a, a vision of humanity that's so much bigger and better. And it's a vision that finds its deepest fulfillment in knowing and serving and obeying God and glorifying God, and enjoying him, you know, forever to rip off a, a catechism. Um, so I think like another thing as Christians, it's important, just sort of that holistic mindset. When we think about wellness, there's certain Christian circles uh, that will focus exclusively on the way we think, right? The rational part of us that needs to get our theology right. And of course, that's important. Um, and maybe where the secular world I think goes wrong is that it's all about maybe emotional health completely outside of the spiritual part of who you are. But I think a Christian that wants to seek God's wisdom understands that all of those things are integrated together, right? Like we are souls and flushed in a body. So the physical body matters. You're, What's happening chemically in your body matters, that's important. Um, Whether we're oriented towards God or away from Him really matters. The things that you feel and say and do also really matters. So it's uh, it's all connected basically. And that's one of the things of counseling that I think is really important is to have kind of that holistic vision for a human being and not to exclusively focus on just one particular aspect to the detriment of all these other parts of your own humanity.
1: That's a great answer. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I want to give us your website. Give us how people can contact you. Where can you know where somebody who might be listening can get a hold of you uh, can and contact you in Daymark.
0: Yeah, sure thing. So our website, super easy, Daymark D A Y M A R K Counseling is our main site. Uh, my email address is just my first name, Eric, E-R-I-C, at daymarkcounseling.com.
1: Thanks for coming on. We we look forward to having you on again, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and yeah. yours, and Happy New Year.
0: You as well, Matt. I really appreciate the time to talk, man. Looking forward to more time, hopefully, in the future. Sounds good. Thanks. Okay, see you, bro.